Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today we are studying in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 23. Here's Pastor Ryan. All right, so as we read last week, King Josiah has been killed in battle, and he was killed in the Valley of Megiddo and was buried in Jerusalem. And his death was a big deal for Judah because he was the last good king. And all of Jerusalem and all of Judah came out and they mourned for him. Even the prophet Jeremiah, of the writer of the book of Jeremiah, were told also mourned for him. So he was a good king. There was none like him before or afterwards. Josiah was an awesome king, awesome man of God. At a time when, where, the, where the nation had just fallen into deep, deep pagan worship. They had turned from God. And so he, he brought the nation back to God for the time that he was on the throne. But we read how... The king of Egypt, King Necho, actually killed him there in the valley of Megiddo because Josiah had tried to prevent Egypt from going to the aid of the Assyrians who were being taken over by the Babylonians. It is, it is a transition of world power from the Assyrians to the Babylonian Empire. Necho apparently was led by the Lord to go. Josiah tried to prevent that and Necho warned him that this is of God. And unfortunately, Josiah didn't listen, and he was taken out by a archer's arrow and died. But it is a sad time for the nation of Israel as a whole. The northern kingdom has already been taken by the Assyrians into captivity. Now it's time for the southern kingdom of Judah to be taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And it's a sad time, really, for the reader, for us, really, to be able to observe you know, what could have been, God had blessed his people Israel immensely, brought them into the land of milk and honey, and gave them really everything that they could desire there in the land. They inherited homes they did not build, lands they did not plow, victories over the nations around them in battle. God blessed them in every single way, and sky was the limit. The Lord had promised them all they had to do was to keep honoring him and keep honoring his word and to not look at the the world the nations around them who worship false gods don't look at them and try to be like them but as we know that's exactly what they did and God promised them that the day that they turn to be like the world is a day that they perish and so it's sad as we read through it, what could have been, but it's a warning for us, right? And all the Old Testament stories are there as a warning for us. We're told in the New Testament, they were written for our admonition so that we can look at what the nation did of Israel back then and say, I'm, I don't want to be like the world, Lord. You're the one true living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The world has nothing for me. They're lost. And it needs to stay that way. But it's a sad time, uh, I think, even for the Lord, as we think about God and, and him allowing uh, the Babylonians to come in and take him into captivity. Th this was his judgment, but just because his wrath was there, 
doesn't mean that it's something that like pleased the Lord to do to chasten his children in such a way these were his people and God in his mercy had sent prophets to them throughout this time guys Isaiah Jeremiah Habakkuk Micah these various prophets to warn Judah to warn Israel to change to repent to to not worship false gods but to stay focused and to worship the Lord and and nothing has changed today I pray that all churches in America and around the world are still knowing what their responsibility is it's to warn the people to stay on the course with Jesus Christ Jesus said abide in me and I in you and you shall bear much fruit for without me you can do nothing Christianity is a relationship with the Lord where we have been crucified with Christ we believe that he died for our sins and on the third day rose from the grave so it's no longer we who live but we live a life for him because he cared so much to save us from our pitiful selves, our pitiful sins, that are so wretched, we'll, we'll never really understand how wretched our sins were. But the blood cleansed us of it all. The Lord in his mercy sent prophets. The prophet Isaiah ministered 59 years, guys, mostly to Jerusalem. And in Isaiah 1, verse 16 through 20, I just wrote down something that he wrote from the Lord to them. He would cry out to them, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow, come now. And let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This was being warned, warned, and, and really preached. That's God's mercy to a, to, to a nation that's like forgetful of all his benefits. I mean, how do you forget such amazing miracles? The parting of the Red Sea, the pushing back of the waters of the Jordan, the, the countless victories, the plentifulness of the land. My goodness, God is so good. And he warned them, don't forget. And he's still warning us. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. God still wants to bless his people. And it's in the relationship with his son. Those who choose to be close to him. And then he also sent Jeremiah who ministered for 40 years. And you, you got to read Jeremiah, guys, on, uh, for homework. Check out the book of Jeremiah. He is preaching during all of this time. And what he says in Jeremiah 2, verse, verses 2 through 3, he says, The Lord says to him, Go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal, when you went after me in the wilderness, in a land not sown, Israel was holiness to the Lord, the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him will offend. 
Disaster will come upon them, says the Lord. So Jeremiah is that kind of crying out, God crying out to his people, I remember you. I remember our relationship. You were the you were the first fruits of my increase. God loves Israel. They were the apple of his eye. I remember when you had nothing and I gave you something and blessed your life. Turn back lest destruction come to you. And I was I was just thinking about this text. I mean, I you know, can't help but to be reminded that God is calling the backslider to come back to him. In fact, in the book of Jeremiah, it refers to Israel as a backslider. Um, and really, as a country as a whole, as a northern kingdom, and it refers to the southern kingdom of Judah as the treacherous sister. The treacherous sister who saw the sins of the northern kingdom and did not repent. And if you think about our story, the northern kingdom, their brethren, were taken into captivity for the very practices that the southern kingdom was practicing themselves. And it was almost like God was saying to them, it's a greater sin because you knew better. You saw what it did to them and still you did not repent. But yet God was calling them to repent. Repent. Jesus' first preachings in Galilee were that very word. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And God is desiring um, the backsliders to return. I really believe it. We'll get more into it in a little bit here. So in 31, after Josiah dies, we read that Jehoahaz was 23 years old when he became king, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. Only three months. Jehoahaz is the son of Josiah. The people took him and they made him king. His mother's name was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. That's not Jeremiah the prophet, that's another Jeremiah. And Jehoshaphat, he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his fathers had done. So in the three years that he reigned, the Bible records that he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He's now following the ways of his father Josiah. Now Pharaoh Necho put him in prison at Riblah in the land of Hamath that he might not reign in Jerusalem. And he imposed on the land a tribute of 100 talents of silver and a talent of gold. Then Pharaoh Necho made Eliakim, the son of Josiah, king in place of his father Josiah and changed his name to Jehoiakim and Pharaoh took Jehoahaz and went to Egypt, and he died there. And so King Josiah actually had four sons, three in which would rule in Judah for a short period of time. And here we read about Jehoahaz, and how after the people put him on the throne, after three months, the king called him up to a place called Riblah in the land of Hamath, which is north of Damascus. So this is north of Jerusalem, north of Israel, in Damascus, where he, Pharaoh, is king, King Necho, was at at the time. And so what we see here is Judah no longer ruling itself. We see Pharaoh Necho subjugating the Israelites, which is a very sad thing because, as we all know, God saved his people, the Israelites, out of the bondage of slavery from where? From Egypt. 
And Egypt is a picture of the old sinful life. Sin is referred to as bondage. Sin is referred to as slavery. So God rescuing Egypt is a picture of Jesus Christ dying for, for our sins and rescuing us from our old life of sin. Amen? So now we see Judah being controlled by Egypt again. It's sad because they're the most you know, historic and beautiful part of Israel's history is how God saved them through the hand of Moses out of Egypt. But when Israel turns their back against the Lord, when they forget their God who saved them and begins to worship false gods, then they go back into bondage, the bondage of their sin, and here we are full circle where they're subjugated by Egypt. And so in the same way, it's sad how there are many, many people who have in their lives maybe said the sinner's prayer, have gone to church, have prayed, have been used by the Lord for various good works. But then all of a sudden, they, they're no longer walking with the Lord anymore as they used to. They've tasted, but then they're no longer walking with the Lord because they've gone back into their old ways of sin. And it's, you know, we, you know some call that backsliding, amen? It's a, it's a, it's a person who, who was going to church, who was reading their Bible, who was in fellowship, who was even praying with us, who was, who was there with us, but then what happened? How, they went back to their old ways. They went back to Egypt, if you will. Their old ways, they went back to the bondage. And I just feel like the Lord's calling the backsliders to repent of that and is wanting backsliders to know just how much he loves them and that they can come back if they choose to come back to the Lord. But to learn from the mistakes of their backsliding ways. Sin starts small, but then it progresses. We can go on forever how it happened to Israel, but but we know even as, as Christians how temptation comes and how the world creeps into our lives and how the devil tries to throw, us, throw temptation at us and, and then our flesh as well. These are things that try to draw us back to the sin that God has saved us from, back to the bondage of our old lives, back to the bondage of Egypt. And the devil is always wanting to enslave us to go back. And it happens very gradually, usually. Complacency sets in where other things become more important than the Lord in our relationship with him. We slowly begin to stop reading the word like we used to. We slowly be, stop to pray like we used to. We slowly stop going to church like we used to. And then pretty soon we find ourselves in bondage to the same things that Christ saved us from. And so it's very scary because Jesus said that there would be people that cry out when he comes back and, he, and he's judging the world and they'll say, Lord, Lord, open for us. You know, we did miracles in your name. We preached in your name. And he'll say to them, I never knew you, you who practice lawless deeds. 
And so it's not enough to just have tasted that, that God was good or, or have gone to church for a small period of time, have prayed for a small period of time, or have done good works for a small period of time, and then to walk away and go back. That's, you know, a change hasn't happened. Some call it backslidden. I've heard people say, I was backslidden for 10 years. I would say, you, you weren't born again, man. That whatever happened, that's my opinion. You can have your own. I would just say, you're not born again. He who was born of God does not sin, the Bible says. And that means to practice sin. And Jesus said, those of you who practice evil deeds, there's a practice to it. You normally don't go to church. You normally don't read your Bible. You normally don't fellowship. You normally don't share your faith you normally are not praying to god that's what you normally do then you're normally in trouble right now and we all have to examine ourselves to whether we're in the faith and i don't want to backslide and i know that others will define backslid as just not progressing in your christian walk that's if you're not moving forward you're moving backward you're sliding backwards. So, but God is calling people to come back. If you know any who, who were involved in church but have just gone the way of their own life again. You know, Jesus said, he who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy to enter the kingdom. of The old life, Egypt, there's nothing there for you. And then the Israelites were trusting in Egypt. They're trusting in Babylon. They're trusting in these foreign nations to help them they're trusting in in people who don't even believe in Yahweh you're trusting them for your help which we read throughout their history the kings were doing that and to the breaking of God's heart if you're backslidden the Lord loves you turn back turn back to him give him your all and don't let go don't get complacent Love him with all your heart. Follow him with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Because your flesh, my flesh, the world and the devil are going to try to get you and I to backslide. We can't let it happen. That's why we get together to encourage uh, good works and to strengthen one another. Strengthen the feeble knees, the Bible says. Don't grow weary while doing good. Strengthen the hands that hang lame. Isolation is exactly what Satan wants. So that he can pick us off. You know, if even in the natural world, you see what, how the wolves attack in Alaska? How they attra- attack the herds up there? They go for the weak sheep. They go for the weak animals. as the one strain. They pick them off and eat them up. God said so many times through the prophet Jeremiah to Judah, Return, O backslider, return. We have to be convinced that the old life is the most terrible thing that we can imagine. It's not enough to just say, all right, I'm walking with God now. It doesn't work. It never works that way. We have to have a healthy disdain for what we used to be. And you may not have a rap sheet of like criminality or like hardcore sins or whatever. The self-righteousness that you would not come to Jesus Christ. The self-righteousness that says, I'm okay, I don't have to do it. That way I'm just going to be a good person and God will let me in. That self-righteousness is probably worse at times than criminality. Because at least a criminal knows he's a criminal. But those who think they're okay, if they're just good citizens, God help them. That's why Jesus goes into not the action, but the heart. It is written, thou shalt not commit adultery, but if you even look at a woman and lust after her, you're guilty. That's to the self-righteous. 
Peter would write in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, he would say, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent, listen to this, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime. We've already spent enough time in Egypt. Why would we want to go back? And Peter says, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with the same flood of dissipation speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. I just love that verse so much because Peter says, we've spent enough of our, our past life in those things. The backslider's looking back. The backslider hasn't lost a, a taste for those things. So the prayer must be for the backslider, help me to absolutely disdain what I used to be. Not in a sense where I'm going to be like a self-fatalist hatred of myself, but to really, the sins that I did almost landed me in eternal prison. Hell. So I don't want to I don't want to go there anymore. I don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. But it's, it's those that aren't discerning, who are still dabbling, like it's cool, like his blood didn't die for that. Like he didn't die for that. So there has to be a healthy disdain of the old life. Ephesians 4, verse 22 through 24, Paul says that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in the true righteousness and holiness. Put off, put on. Put off the old man. Put it off. Do away with it. The former conduct, what we used to be, unrecognizable. And I would pray that, Lord. And I still pray that today. Help me to be the man you want me to be and help me to disdain, to hate the sin that almost killed me. Help me to hate even the appearance of evil. I mean, we it cannot just be loving God and then not, not we have to say, we, we have to see the warning signs, we have to see the sin, we have to see the evil and stay away from it. Right? Isn't that what the Proverbs th teach us? That a righteous man sees evil and hides himself, goes away from it? Doesn't the Bible say flee youthful lust? But there are people that are playing with all that. Not fleeing youthful lust, playing with it. God doesn't say play around with sin. If, you do, if he was to say that, we'd all fall. He says flee from it. Flee from youthful lust. Let no corrupt word come out of your mouth. Oh, I have a cussing problem. No, you have a God problem. I had to tell a friend of mine who's a brother and doesn't come here so I can share this story. Was cussing up a storm out of, you know, over, over a game. And I told him, I said, bro, he's an older man. I said, brother, I can bear with the heathen talking that way, but not with the brother. Not with the brother. I, can, I have no problem if I'm on the basketball court and I can hear, you know, just people 
That's but a brother in the Lord? You confess the Lord and you talk like that? I go, I'm nobody, but he did anoint me to be a pastor. I'm nobody. But even when I was in the world as a gang member, you get me near a priest and I'm going to watch my mouth. You get me near your grandma and I'm going to watch my mouth. Because where I'm from, if you don't watch your mouth in front of somebody's mom or grandmother, you get got. Get got means violently punished for it. So for a brother to have no fear of God, to do that in front of a pastor, and I'm nothing, I'm, it's, I'm just talking about, it broke my heart. But uh, long-suffering, and I'm still going to kick it with him, because, you know, good things came out of his mouth afterwards. You know? and so, again, um, God help us. So anyhow, so his son Jehoahaz was dispersed, taken to Egypt. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chapin, above.